Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, world builders? This is Steven, your host with Phantology Podcast. I have my lifelong friends, Josh and Jake here today, and we're doing something a little bit different. So usually I'm kind of the de facto host and talk you through whatever it is we're talking about. But uh, this time I'm going to turn it over to Josh and Jake to kind of be co-hosts and interview me of sorts. We're doing another one of our world building episodes. We've done a couple before. I think each one of you have kind of you know, we've interviewed you, some of your ideas, and this is just designed to be fun, uh, you know, discussion of some ideas. I think we all, you know, have ideas and think it would be fun to write books eventually. And Josh has made the most progress on that, but I'm, I'm starting to maybe make progress. I'm kind of hoping this is a bit of a motivator if I have to actually like talk about my ideas out loud. <laughs> All right. Well, Stephen, you know, I think you might be a little bit hot off your host game because usually you introduce, usually you say Jake's name first. So I'm happy that I'm <laughs> actually kind of honored that I got the, I got the spot. The first I, spot I went away I, from the alphabetical. You usually say Jake and Josh because it always makes me think of Drake and Josh. I think time. that is a hundred percent the reason Jake Drake and Josh, I think is the only reason he says my name first. <laughs> or alphabetical or maybe alphabetical. Or, uh, you're just yeah, the, the I'm looking at the screen name. and in this video recording, we have Josh at the top and Jake at the bottom. So maybe that's why that mm. happened. Hard to say, but yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for further throwing me off my game. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited personally to talk to you, Stephen, about this, about this book. We've gotten little snippets. You've talked to us a little bit about, about the world kind of that you're, you're building you've shared like a little excerpt that you've written in a couple different ways so and i've been intrigued and quite excited i don't know what, what about you jake oh yeah yeah you should be really excited <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really excited um we have a like a writing accountability channel <laughs> discord that you guys have been posting in a lot so interest has been peaked for sure and i'm excited to be able to do a little q a to dive into what you got cooking there there was a lot of posting kind of early in November when that uh, excitement <laughs> over November writing month was going on. It's kind of, right. you know, kind of fizzled off a little bit. But uh, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm hoping to get re-energized and maybe talking with you guys will help me do that. So we'll see. So, okay. So give us the elevator pitch for this, this story that you're trying to write. Yeah. So turns out elevator pitch is a little difficult because when you start writing a story of like all these ideas and different ways you could present this, but I'll say it's a first person, it's mostly a first person story. It's probably most heavily influenced by name of the wind and uh, James, James Eilington's new book, the will of the many, which both kind of have, they're both very much first person name of the wind has more of a, a third person framing story as well, which I'm also going to do. 
but I don't want it to be too similar to either of those. So I feel like the plot diverges a lot, but it is, you know, first person kind of coming of age. There's going to be a magic school. I'm I'm just kind of sticking to the things that I liked reading about. And I, I feel like, you know, those are sure those are elements we've seen a lot, but those are always things that intrigue me when I read. So that's what I wanted to write about. And I'm just going to kind of go for what I want to write about. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, way to look at it. I feel like most authors must write what they like to read, right? Because th- those are the things that influence them the most to start out with. And I feel like the story within a story, like the framing device, that's not, I don't think uh, Rothfuss owns that. I think Blood Song is another yeah. good example of that. Pretty much the same thing, but feels completely different. And that was, I went back and forth on that. And I can explain a little bit more about what the story is going to be. I'm not going to get like too far into it because, you know, spoilers, right? Because you're going to want to read the whole thing (laughs) when it's written in the year 2035 or whatever. But uh, there was a purposeful reason why. And I I was thinking for a while, I'll just do straight first person. The framing is just a little too hard to pull off or maybe is not needed. But as I was thinking about it more, I I decided that I did want to have it. And I think it will affect the story positively. I've been really purposefully trying to make sure that my decisions for the way that I plot this out and, and decide how I want to do it are not totally influenced by, you know, I, like, I love Name of the Wind. It's my favorite book. I don't want to just copy that, but I do like a lot of the things that they do in it. So I'm influenced by it. So personally, I don't, I don't think you have to worry about copying Name of the Wind. I think that, well, here's the reason why, because there, there was a book that came out earlier this year or last year that was like literally a copy of the name of the wind and it was like fairly popular and i read the whole thing and i'd like and i liked it but the whole time i was like this is such a copy oh really what book was that it's called the first binding first binding okay came out it came out last year you're you're not gonna do that though no right right but i'm i I just don't think you're paranoid because that i don't think you have to be paranoid i i think i think the more paranoid you are on trying not to do that it could have a negative impact on your story because you're doing mm-hmm. thing you're going to do things that you don't want to do or don't want to restrict just, too much. I, I yeah, just just write what you want to write, and if it okay, put I'll put it this way: if the first binding was the first book that you wrote and came out like that and was that well received, then would that be a success? If I wrote, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, if yeah, like, so huge success. So if your yeah. first book comes out a little bit derivative of your favorite book, and that's and it's a great book, and that. And that's not a bad scenario to have happen, you know? Yeah. And I, first of all, I don't think you're you're going to do that because I think you have like, you know, you're, you're, you've read a ton of different books. You have a lot of different thoughts going. You have a lot of different ways you want to take mm-hmm. the story. I, I don't think you're going to come off as derivative uh, of the name of the wind. And the worst case being that you are, I think that's a better case than, than not writing the book that you want to write because you're worried about being too der- derivative. Yeah. Along those same lines, you're going to do multiple drafts, you know? So just you know, write what you want. And then if it, if it does seem too derivative, you can go back and edit some stuff. If not, like, yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah. That's like my biggest struggle with being creative in general is feeling like I need to like nail the concept of it ahead of time before committing any productivity to it. Um, So I'm going to give you, I'm just spewing advice I don't follow, but I think that's important to keep in mind. Right. Like you can right. Like you might think it is, but once you finish it, it might not be. And then you're good. Yeah. The fact that every author talks about that is just so like, it, it, it's scarring me almost before it's happening because <laughs> just the thought of like writing 
but you know spending all the time to write something and then throw it out like oh my gosh that that seems yeah. terrible but seems like it's part of the process so um yeah i'm trying to commit to that and just go for it and i did i did write a little bit towards the beginning of the month and kind of got on a roll kind of backed off but uh yeah we'll see how we'll see how it goes but let me tell you maybe a little bit more about where yeah. i'm going with the story so magic yeah. school so there's a yeah. magic school yeah yeah, so Magic School, I think that's going to come in kind of like the second two thirds or so. It's going to start off with kind of, you know, your classical origin story. I'm not going to make the kid an orphan, by the way. So so I have some names of things. They're a little fluid all throughout the names that I'm yeah, thinking use, about. Yeah, use the using. names. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll see how they sound. Maybe I'll, I'll change them. Some of them I'm more attached to than the others. So the main character's name is going to be Aziel, which is A-Z-I-E-L. I kind of like that one. I think I think I'm stick with that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Aziel, Azel, something like that. Um, I guess people will debate about how to pronounce it once it's yeah. a big commercial <laughs> success. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have a pronunciation guide. Uh, yeah, sure. There'll be a pronunciation guide, but people don't really follow that anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll have the Bulgarian seeker pronounce the name, and then everyone can go off of that. Excellent. Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter deep yeah, cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the Hermonini. Hermonini. Uh-huh. So yeah, he's not going to be an orphan, but he is going to be separated from the parents. That's kind of like a, a thing that that would be probably too much of a spoiler to explain what okay. I'm planning on doing with so that. So that's so that's a big plot point being separated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's going to go off on his adventure, and eventually he'll make it to the school. Some things will happen, and et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I don't think I want to get too into that. Maybe I'll tell you more about the weeds of like the, the world and the lore and the magic that I'm planning. Yeah. What's the central conflict? So the series, I'm planning on doing a trilogy. The series wide conflict is this, uh, this war between the two main civilizations and each of the civilizations wields magic in different ways. And they've been fighting for years. I'm debating the, I might use the term millennia war. They've been fighting for a long time. And now it's cooled down and we're entering into a cold war type of period. And the world is also modernizing a bit. I'm thinking like 1700s, 1800s kind of earth level of technology. So like gentlemen's bastards kind of feel to it. Yeah, could be. I don't really love the steampunk genre, so I'm not going to get too into that, but more of like an expanding world, a little bit of maybe industrial revolution, which I know is getting into steampunk, but I don't want to be like, too much. I think like Brian McClellan's books, kind of like those or not. Yeah, it could be. I don't know if I'm going to have guns or not. Guns just like totally changes everything. I don't I mean, know if I want yeah. guns or not. Yeah, it's kind of tricky. Yeah. They could just like not have gunpowder though. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, I mean, that rearranges a lot of what your magic can and like mm-hmm. will be used for. Right? Yeah, a, l- a little bit for me, just I know we're not doing mine at all, but like my part of the magic system is that people can like, is that like some one of the civilizations can like just channel electricity, like their body can like generate electricity. Oh, so right. therefore they that. will have never, they will have never really discovered like gunpowder, you know, like they will like their body's electricity can fuel a lot of the activities they mm. do so it's kind of like they're go- going through kind of an industrial revolution only it's with like electricity being electricity being the basis and not like coal or or like gunpowder base 
So I think as long as you, you, even if you just have like somewhat of a justification in your head for like mm-hmm. why you wouldn't have gunpowder or guns, then I think you're fine. You know, like if the magic was good enough for combat that they would have never looked elsewhere for something, then, you know, yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, I like what you brought up that that idea of, you know, the magic influencing everything, making it real realistic part of the world. Like, obviously, that's really important to have a nice, believable, grounded fantasy book. Yeah, I remember you talking about when we were messaging about it in the Discord that it, it's like two super continents, right? That are kind of at... Mm-hmm. And stop me if I'm getting into <laughs> to spoilers. No, that yeah. And that... I'm trying to remember... Dang, I had a thought just now and then. But so yeah, there's... so there's the two, the two super continents and there, was there something about the magic itself in, that was central to the conflict? I, c- I could be misremembering. Yeah, each of the continents has a different civilization that's developed there. And they use the magic in two different ways, which is a big distinguishing okay. uh, so it's like... re- reason why they've always been at war. And there's kind of a whole hidden backstory to what's going on and some reasons why they've been fighting for so long that I, I can't get into now, but I feel like should be a good twist towards the end of this series if I can pull it off. Okay. So that's the... So that global conflict is like the main conflict of the trilogy and does the main character have allegiance to one of the sides or does he just happen to be kind of in the middle of it he's going to be raised on one side i can explain a little bit what i'm thinking about uh with the magic maybe in a little bit but he's going to be raised on one side and the school uh is located in between the two continents so i'm kind of thinking like a geography kind of like Westeros and Essos and the narrow sea between them. So you can kind of imagine something like that. And the school is on one of the, like the step zones in, yeah. um, in, in George R. R. Martin's world. So it's in between the two and, and students attend from both sides. So it's kind of this like neutral ground and you have, you know, literally enemies, uh, civilizational enemies. I don't know what the term for that is attending the same school. And while they're there, they're supposed to be neutral and not, you know, kill each other. And it also, it kind of works because it's a cold war right now. So there's, you know, reasons that they're not going to break out and just start killing each other at the school, but they're being trained to be basically, it's somewhat of a war slash leadership school, but the first book is not going to get too much into that. The first book, I imagine, Again, more kind of more like Name of the Wind, where there's not a huge world-saving conflict. It's more of a individual character conflict, at least in the first one. And then I plan on kind of building it up from that point. And is the reuniting with his parents the main conflict of book one, or is that going to span multiple that, books? I'm not sure if that fits into book one. That may, yeah, that that's probably going to be that's part of it. That's part of the plot line that's going to span multiple. That's books. it. That's like a plot line that like should have enough weight to it that the resolution will be like, I don't know, have weight to it. I don't know how to describe it. It's real. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I do think it, it seems like that should be one that should um, last a couple books, you know? Yeah. So like really, cause you want to like build up the, the longing and like the desperation to find them and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The other, so the other main conflict that I want to have 
And the reason why I want this to be a real, you know, a lot more character focused and rather than world saving focus is so the main character, and and this is also why I want to have the uh, the framing story and the first person story. So about kind of towards the end of the action, and this isn't a spoiler, uh, you'll see in a second, towards towards the end or kind of the latter portion of this book in the first person coming of age story, the main character is injured and becomes paralyzed. And that's obvious from the framing story because the framing story takes place in the future. So you can see that this is, you know, a health issue, a disability that he's dealing with at this time, but you don't get to see how it happens until later on. And I want this to be really the focus. Like, honestly, I want this to be the focus of the series, but I needed to have enough action before it happens so that after he's injured, there's enough weight to it and you can see the changes and the impacts, but I needed it to also be, I needed to to be obvious from the beginning because I felt that if it was the focus of the trilogy, I can't just have it be the thing that happens towards the end of the first book. It needs to be like kind of right there from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard because you want it to be a good reveal mm-hmm. uh, in, ter- in term. Well, maybe not reveal, but you want it to like be executed well in a way that it's like. Right. But yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's a good decision to have it transparent in the beginning. So, yeah, how long? So you think like at the end of book one or like two thirds of the way through book one or like halfway? Thinking about what's the sweet about spot? two thirds. The reason why he's injured in the event that it happens out is going to be somewhat of the climax of the book. And then there'll be some falling action as he kind of deals with some things and tries to pick up his life. And then going into the second book, it'll kind of continue from that point. And just side note, the reason why I want to do this is because you guys know this, obviously, but if you're listening, I am also paralyzed. And so I wanted to kind of put that representation into the book that I was writing. And I felt like, you know, putting that piece of myself into it would make for a stronger book. So I'm excited to do that. And personally, like, I think it'll just be a, a good personal project for myself to kind of yeah. like, you know, get some of that out there. What, um, so that's, it seems like that's going to be the main thematic piece of the series. Like the plots will have their overarching like conflicts and stuff, but like the, in terms of like, what is the, like what the readers will take away, that's going to be the mm-hmm. main focus of that. Right. Are there specific, not that I don't know that all authors like have to be consciously like sharing a message, but I feel like that's good books do like at least um, put out like a message as like a hypothesis to to consider, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so what, um, what aspect of that do you want to be the main or like a main thing for people to be pondering or like, yeah, to be reflecting no. in their lives after having read it? I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, and this this is something that I've thought about a lot. I feel like there's a lot of books where disability is used as a plot device and sometimes, you know, sometimes better than others. But a lot of times the resolution of a plot is like we've concluded, you know, the climax happens and the person has won or whatever. And as part of this, they receive, you know, some kind of like physical healing or they they are now like restored to their original state. And it's almost like this conflicting, like, I don't like these messages because there's some kind of underlying tones of 
you know, the person was imperfect before. Now they've gone through everything. Now they're, now they are, you know, restored once again. And this is kind of like the natural state of things. And like, sure, if you're disabled, like it's nice to think that, you know, there could be some healing for me, but I feel like the stronger message is I am, you know, I'm disabled and I'm going through all these things and I come out of it on the other side. And, you know, there's not really magic in the real world. And so this very rarely happens where you're able to have this type of healing. So the more powerful thing is to learn how to live with it and become a better person in of yourself, who you are and accept, you know, that being disabled is part of who you are and grow from it. And so that's what I would like to do. And so obviously kind of, you know, I, that's not going to happen in, in this book. The resolution is not yeah. going to be that he's no longer paralyzed. He, he will be, but hopefully the reader kind of is taken along this journey of acceptance and personal growth within that disability. So do you, uh, do you think it's more important the reader's takeaway is like understanding self-acceptance and like self-worth post the accident or more learning how to like be resilient and still be like, what's the word for it? Like, I I'm thinking like of Glockta from, okay. Uh, first law, just because I, from my perspective, that's one of the better representations of uh, disabilities no, and fantasy Yeah, where part of like, and this isn't really his arc because we're seeing a different view of his, his life in the series, but a big part of his character is that, you know, he was very useful in one way before his uh, torture and he found a way to be useful in, a, in other ways that he mm -hmm. wasn't before and be, and he can't be the same useful in those same ways after. Um, so I guess like the takeaway there would be the resilience aspect of like looking inward and being like, okay, this is where I'm at. Like, how do I move forward? Sorry, that was long-winded. So which, which one of yeah. those do you think would be more important? Honestly, I think both. I am planning on, this is kind of tricky because like I said, I don't want there to be a magical healing for the character for, for yeah. Hazel, but I am planning on him being able to use the magic in ways that counteract the physical limitations so that he's still able to kind of, you know, get out and, and move around and do some things. However, there are going to be, you know, pretty steep limitations built into that. And that's going to kind of continue to build. So he's, he's still going to be paralyzed, but he's able to going to be able to get around it a little bit. So there's, there's going to be that, you know, resilience, aspect i mean obviously you don't need that to be resilient but that's going to be kind of kind of part of yeah. it but it's going to be kind of a question of what is the permanence of this situation is it sustainable what is kind of you know the long-term outlook going to be here and he's got to make some hard personal decisions so <clears throat> i was going to ask kind of how in the world of magic are you, I, I feel like one thing you will have to be kind of considerate of is not writing yourself in a position that like the, like a healing would make logical sense or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If, if magic exists, you have to structure that magic where it just can't heal him or like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's going to be kind of a tricky balance to like line to walk. Right. I think there's, right. yeah, there's if some like, there, why not do it? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some ways you could kind of, hand wave it in a in a way where it like is consistent like if some aspect of the accident itself 
is like anti-magic. And so even if there was healing magic, like it, mm-hmm. and I, and I, obviously I don't have specifics, but you know, something like that, where it's just like, kind of like how stormlight, there's some things that people aren't able to heal from because yeah. they're yeah. like spirit web or whatever. Like the, it doesn't, it becomes a part of who yeah. they are or something. And yeah. yeah. Honestly, I was just planning on not having uh healing magic. Like that's yeah. not something the magic does. That's what all I was planning on doing. Nice. Yeah. I think that I think that'd be enough. I think you just have to kind of be cognizant of it because like, I don't know, just we've all read like the Wheel of Time and stuff and how the magic kind of progresses and rotates, especially, you know, around healing and stuff in that series. Mm-hmm. And it makes it interesting, but also, yeah, you, you wouldn't want to yeah have that be in conflict with the themes and purpose and part of yeah. the story you're trying to tell. So if there, I mean, the healing magic is kind of a, a staple in a lot of fantasy and without that, I feel like that's going to add a grittier, true, yeah, feel to it, which is would be really interesting. I'm trying to think. It's kind of like first law. Like first law has magic, yeah, but not really healing magic. I that I recall maybe. I think if you're an eater, you heal yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I think you have some healing factor. <laughs> is is uh, Aziel? Is that is he going to be an eater, Stephen? Uh, no, there are no eaters. Dang, Dang. There, there's no planned cannibalism. Yeah, what kind of, I assume it's going to be a harder magic system just because that seems up your alley. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not planning on doing a Sanderson level of hard magic system, but in this is still a little bit under in the works, but my, so there's two magics. They both kind of stem from the same source, but one of them is more focused on external elements of your like external meaning not enhancing your own body, but control over external things, right? And then there's one that's going to be more of internal elements. The external one I've thought about more because that's going to be Azul's background. And so he's going to have that power set. So the idea here is it's basic, basically kind of just complete control over things around you, but the unique thing or the more unique element, I'm sure this has been done elsewhere, but the unique thing to it is that you have like a limited field of control around you. So I can, you know, within a a small area around my body, which maybe could be different for different people, I'm able to basically, you know, move air, water, fire, whatever. Right. But if you go 10 feet away or something, then then I have no power here. Yeah. Okay. So so by move, do you mean like telekinetic type moving or like like air bending movement? Is there a difference? <laughs> I'm not uh, a well, like, avatar person. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, like <laughs> avatar, it's the like... you said, air, water, fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking yeah. about. Uh, like, yeah. can they just like generate fire out of uh, thin air um, within the, oh, their radius? Or saying. is it... Or is it just there's like there's a yeah an axe so they're nearby not, that they can move right? You're not able to generate whatever it is. I can't just conjure up water or fire, Oops. but <laughs> thumbs, <laughs> thumbs down. <laughs> if you're watch if you're not watching Jake's video, just did a yeah. little involuntary zoom gesture. So Jake does not approve of that idea. That new Mac update. Let's see if that one works. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Wait, did you, you like, approve because you frowned? Because you frowned, it gave gave it a thumbs down. 
Uh, no, I must have seen a, a thumb somewhere. Anyway, so more like more moving objects, objects mm-hmm. themselves. Okay. Yeah. And really part of the reason why I built this in, the, the whole idea, the whole book is centered around the, the whole paralysis theme, right? And so I wanted a magic system that would kind of let me overcome that while still making it a big deal. So the idea is he can use magic to move all the air around him. So we can kind of like, he gets good enough and fine tuned enough to move his own body by just moving the elements around, but still have the paralysis there. Yeah. So, you know, still able to function kind of through use of the magic, but there's obviously a lot of limitations that go with paralysis other than just moving your body, yeah. which, which frankly, I would like to explore because I think a lot of people don't realize that. It, this is kind of gives off like Daredevil vibes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. I think the weak part of Daredevil is he basically doesn't have a disability at all. Like his yeah. powers more than compensate for it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think except like, that people think he does almost. Yeah. It's, it is kind of yeah, strange. Because yeah, he can't see, he can't see photons, but he has a mental image of everything around him. You know, he's aware of everything. But anyways, I think that's another line to to try to straddle, right? You don't want it to be like mm-hmm. you want you want that struggle of yeah, he can do things, but I see like lots of opportunities of him needing to be like show some ingenuity of like like how to work through the situation, some things that would be simple before his accident and he has to be ingenious about which then lead mm-hmm. to situations that he wouldn't have been able to solve before because he's had to think in this new way right there's good potential for that right Uh, as part of that did this lead him to being able to have like a greater control over the magic system than like most people or can like would a lot of people be able to like yeah like that no i think that that is the idea because most people wouldn't even think to do that right and so this is going to give him a more dexterity finer control over things i guess like a lot of people would want to fly if they could right is that is that possible to do or is no there's no flying no flying that's gonna be that's gonna break too much we don't want that so it's okay so that's what i'm kind of it could i don't know it could be as simple as wheel of time where there's like yeah we couldn't figure out how to fly ever (laughs) but he can he can move his but he can move his. So I was picturing him like being able to move through the air, but that's not. That's not what you're describing. Like move his body around. And but not flying. It's. I'll have hovering. to. I'll have to. So you know, he, I'll, I'll have to make that a little a hover, more clear. But is it more of a hover than a fly? I think it's going to kind of look, just look like natural movement, except rather than your muscles and nerves initiating the movement, it's like. The outside control over the and oh oh okay sorry here's my other reason for this so normally the magic you can't interact with your own body or other human bodies like it just doesn't work if I tried if you were next to me and I tried to push you away magically or something like that's just not going to work and I wouldn't be able to control my own body as well but the reason why it works for him is you can affect the magical substance that is kind of like the mana of the world. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine this like exoskeleton suit of sorts that he's going to have to wear 
in order oh, cool. to move himself because then it has this like layer of the magical oh that's uh, kind really of built cool. in yeah that's neat that's really neat i like that dang i was kind of hoping for a weekend of bernie's thing where like you have like a dead body that the guy like puppets it is kind of like puppeting your own body yeah right right but if you took like a dead body or something and I, it just made me think like you mentioned the external versus internal if he had been trained in the other uh continents magic system would he have been able to move his own body internally with the magic is that how that would work the or... internal magic i still need to think about a bit but so far basically i'm thinking of the internal magic kind of like uh furukimi from mistborn where you can okay. you know make muscles stronger have better senses etc so neither one of the two i mean you asked me how hard of a magic system neither one are like super hard where there's all of these rules. It's really more just like this one, you can control stuff around you, this stuff, you can control stuff within your own body. And then from there, I'll try to be, you know, maybe a few details here and there to make it all work. Okay. Is he, uh, I just assumed he, he was like a soldier at some point. Is he more of a combat kind of guy or more like quote where he's got some combat, but more. Yeah. Strategist. I'm thinking later on, the combat will be more important, but in this first book, it's really going to be more, It yeah, it's not going to be as heavy action focused. It's more going to be kind of, kind of slice of life as you just get to like, you know, a real, a real in-depth character study of, of the main character. I think with those, there's an opportunity with those magic systems to have the, like the dogma of each side cause some problem solving issues like mm. having been raised in this external way like like people wouldn't even think like they wouldn't even think to fly if that were possible because they're used to moving things like their whole doctrine is like external only or something mm. like that you know that could be cool and they're even more like maybe the externals are more aggressive more expansive yeah. internals are more like we're gonna you know protect our own territory yeah. type thing yeah yeah changing the subject a little bit is there any like scene that you are super excited to write or any events that you're just like, can't wait to put on paper for the first book? Well, I mean, I don't want to get into this, the scenes too much. Cause I feel like one, they're not planned out enough. And two, they would be, you know, maybe a little bit further into the book, but like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like excited to write this, but I feel like the whole thing centers around, him getting hurt and the aftermath of that and just the way that's all going to play out. So I am, I don't know, like weirdly looking forward to putting that part down. And I feel like that's something that's going to be just like really deeply personal and emotional to me. So I hope that I can do that well, because I mean, that's the whole, like, that's what I want to resonate with people. And so I feel like that's the most important scene in this book. Uh, Do you think, do you think you'd want to like share that scene? Like once you have it written to get like kind of like beta readers yeah. from other people who have gone through similar things. Oh, that could be cool. Cause I don't, I mean, obviously like yeah. in general, people want beta readers and like you've gone through it, but it's different when you're writing it versus cause you're like, this is what I'm trying to convey, but am I conveying it right? You know, yeah. in, the, in the way you really want it to. I don't know. That would, That'd be really cool. I just yeah. like seeing seeing like all the mental health stuff that Sanderson has put out and like hearing people's feedback on that. Like, wow, that really resonated with me. 
Yeah. And he has beta readers from lots yeah. of walks of life and tries to, you know, really nail those things if he's going to include it in his books. Yeah. That's cool. Have you, have you started? It's, you've been talking about writing scenes. Have you started writing uh, anything close to that scene yet? No, that's no, I haven't. Well, I actually, I started it a little bit, but then I was like, eh, I don't want to start here. So I started writing just from like chapter one, which is going to be the the framing story, which is, you know, in the future. And the framing story is going to deal more with the wider conflict and kind of hint at what is to come in the future. But like I said, the first book is really going to be introducing the ideas that are going to lead to the conflict, introducing characters and factions, et cetera, but really just you know, really focused on our main guy, Aziel and his problems. And then I feel like once I have that base laid, then I'll be able to expand and yeah. Put him more into the central conflict of the, mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there going to be any uh, romance? Thing <laughs> to oh, I can, oh, you know it. You I can, know I can it. tell. I could tell by the way that you're leading that up and you were going <laughs> to ask that question. <laughs> okay. Well, I asked it. Yeah. No, yeah, there's there's got to be romance, right? Okay. There's going to be I'll... a character named Deanna and <laughs> no. She's going to she's going to have a patron. That no. wasn't even that wasn't even a reference to you saying that you're worried about this book being too derivative of Name of the Wind. That was just a reference to Stevens like most famous or most beloved not bad take most beloved uh, romance and fantasy. I think is that maybe not romance, but just, I feel like we both agreed that Rothfuss just nailed that like wistfulness and like longing of a relationship. Right. So well with Quoth and Denna. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Jake. I mean, that is, <laughs> I don't agree in that that's what I'm going to do, but I do agree that that is yeah. a good an inspiration. And I, I really that really resonated with me kind of yeah that wistfulness that you know coming of age romance mm-hmm. type of feelings right so yeah no i i definitely want to try to capture that i think that's an important part of growing up i don't know exactly what i want to do there i kind of like the idea of i mean i don't i know <laughs> you guys have strong opinions on on love triangles and i do you're have, going there yeah you've de- you've <laughs> debated that ad nauseum to the point where I don't even know exactly what you're arguing no, we, anymore. No, we've but, just debated the definition. <laughs> That's <sure. it. laughs> I've debated more than one romantic interest that causes an issue. So call that a triangle or whatever you want to call it. And I think that, I think that could work. I kind of like the idea. So I really like the idea of the, you know, the, the paralysis and the injury kind of changing everything, you know, really, really resetting everything in his life. And that comparison between what was before and what is now. And I feel like, you know, relationships, relationships with other characters are also going to be important for that romantic and non-romantic. So I've kind of played around with the idea of, you know, what if there was a romance that was budding and then, you know, after he was paralyzed, it no longer was, you know, worked out for many different reasons that could get a little, I'm not sure exactly where I want to go with that, but it's something I've thrown out and, you know, maybe he kind of refocused, recenters, realizes what's really important, realizes kind of some different values in his life. And then, you know, kind of comes to realize that the previous romantic interest was really kind of, you know, doesn't no longer supports those things. And it's really, you know, this other person who's the best you know, friend. Kind of, yeah. Who's been there all along. Sure. 
I don't know <laughs> if I want to, you know, I don't know if I want to do Hermione and Ron, but uh, yeah, something like th- those are, these are just ideas. I've not really plotted that out too much. What, uh, what kind of personality differences do you see in the main character pre and post accident? Like, are you planning on having stark uh, contrast there or not really? In some ways, but in some ways, no. I don't want to make it too much of myself. But at the other, on the other hand, if this is the direction I'm going, then obviously I'm going to rely a lot on my own personal experience yeah. for this. So I think there will be some of that, which is, you know, a little contrary to what most, I mean, if you ask some authors, like, you know, did you put yourself in the book? They're always like, oh, you know, like parts of myself for all the different characters, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, okay, maybe that's going to be true for what I'm planning as well. But I, I really would say that the main character I'm planning and putting, you know, significant portions of my own experience and, and inevitably my own personality as well. So I see kind of, you know, a base personality that is the same, but just a, a, a refocus on what is actually, you know, important in life, a, a very quick maturity. A lot of times I think, you know, the person I was before I was injured, the person I am after I'm injured, big difference was, you know, I grew up like 10 years like just yeah. in that moment. Right. And so I, I think that's pretty realistic to people that go through a lot of trauma or significant disabilities. They, things that were important before, like, you know, who won the latest sports game are no longer that important. Yeah. Do you, do you have a name for the series? The name book? The series? No, honestly, I don't have either. I feel like it needs to be just right. And I don't have that right. Don't have it right yet. Names are hard. Yeah. Is there any other character? Well, do, I guess we'll do something like lightning. Is there any other like character that you're excited to write? Like, is there a friend or an enemy or a, um, anything like that that you're that you have in mind? I'm excited to put it. So there's there's two characters that I've started writing so far that are going to be mostly in the framing story, but they're going to pop up in the first person story as well. So I'm excited to kind of like lay some groundwork and do some kind of twists on who these people are and what their motivations are. And I'm hoping that I'm able to, you know, put some breadcrumbs in both where then you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, this person is really involved here and here, like, you know, type of thing. I feel like one weakness of the name of the wind is in the framing story, even through two books, we've, we really kind of fail to understand the importance of what's going on. Like there are crumbs that are doled out of what's going on with Quoth in the end, but we really have no idea exactly what's going on in the larger conflict. And I would like to make mine a little more connected and I'm not going to have it where every book is the same framing story and we continue on the end. It's going to be more like we, a little more like blood song where we pick up kind of towards maybe even past the ending of the first book, kind of maybe into the ending of the second book and we learn a little bit about that conflict as we learn about the main character's conflict. And there's a reason, you know, there's a reason he's telling the story. There's a re- it's going to tie into the current events that are going on. So a little more purpose and connectedness between the two, I think uh, would be exciting to read and write. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest developments we have in the framing story in, in King Killer Chronicles is more internal with quote mm-hmm. than anything like anything that's actually going on the outside world is still this same like broken world without 
really knowing like what what is going to happen. So I think that yeah. would be a positive. But I like what the framing story does in Name of the Wind where and I guess these are kind of mild Name of the Wind spoilers, but you know, we're we're at that point now. I like that quote is presented, you know, right away as someone who used to be this really powerful wizard yeah. in the past and clearly something is wrong with him and his magic no longer works and his abilities are gone. You know, what has happened? And we still didn't even really know through two books, but that I feel like that setup in the framing story gives the main story a lot of momentum, even though it's totally in the background and it's not mentioned at all in the main story. Since you as the reader know something happened, that just drives the plot forward. I, I like that idea. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I was I was gonna say, uh, yeah, I guess as we wrap up, what um, what is your uh, let's set a goal right we got to set a target all right yeah. let's gotta, do it we got to get some uh some commitment let's get some let's get some accountability. An invitation That's yeah right. accountability <laughs> uh what is your what is your next goal for it i know like you had the the writing month in november um are you yeah. setting like uh words per month type goal words per day or specific scenes that you want to have done by a certain time honestly i feel like i don't understand enough of what's going to be successful for me as a writer to know if I want a words per day type of goal that that may even be a negative thing for me you know if I'm not hitting it's it's a demotivator almost so my goal was to you know sit down and either dedicated time thinking about it putting down ideas drafting or you know or writing like doing that for a dedicated amount of time. I think that's going to be the more successful thing at first. And we're into December now and I have some time off work. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe I can get some momentum in that time. It's, uh, it's very, it's very challenging to, you know, after the work day to throw in the creative energy towards the side hustle type of thing. Oof. So yeah. I, I might try, yeah, maybe before would work well. Anyway, yeah, I need to find the way that's going to work for me. And I think a, you know, maybe like an hour a day, start there, get some momentum going. And I think honestly, I'm at the point where I need to just start putting some words down. Like I really have done some fairly extensive work and I have several documents that are detailing how some things are working. Obviously, I didn't have all the details in what I was explaining to you guys, but I think I have enough where I can go for it and kind of figure some things out on the fly. Like I'm not going to hundred percent outline everything. Yeah. All right, man. I'm excited. This is I'm, All right. I'm super excited actually. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds fun. I'm engaged. I want to, I want to get the story. Yeah. yeah. We talked about this. Uh, I think one of the episodes a while ago, you mentioned a little bit and, and it's definitely been fleshed out a lot more excited to see the progress and, and uh, join our discord to bug Steven to, uh, continue yeah. writing and keep them yeah. accountable <laughs> yeah shoot me some ideas or just tell me to you know do my writing keep yeah. me accountable for sure and <laughs> i will say there is one major idea that i am stealing slash repurposing from our original combo writing effort that we had years ago yeah yeah so uh and that sorry that's directed to Jake and Josh directly, not listeners, but, you know, years ago, we wrote a story together. We didn't finish it, but we had a bunch of ideas. And one of those I liked enough where I was like, this is going, I'm going to keep on using this. So that was so fun. See if you, 
I, I'm curious if you can guess what it is, but um, I guess you'll see when the, you know, when the draft is ready to be read. Well, I did when you mentioned two uh, different nations warring and they use magic differently with the magic school in the middle that did uh, raise a little Sounded familiar. Similarity, okay. Little similarities. Not not nearly like a uh, stealing at all. But. Okay. I think I can well, steal some of our own ideas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's some of our ideas that we did nothing yeah. with. So. They exist on Google Drive, Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for humoring me, guys. Uh, I think this was successful. I feel like I want to you know, get back into it more. I, yeah. I feel like I want you to get back into it more. Yeah, okay. it's always it's good talking about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. See ya.